There's this thing goes live. Sweet, we're live. Um, this is Startup Mindsets episode 54, I believe. We've got another amazing guest, uh, straight out of Y Combinator, the badass accelerator in Silicon Valley. Um, it, so this company's name is Narrator. Founded in 2017, I believe. Uh, they've been featured in numerous TechCrunch articles, as well as gaining some really great funding from uh, Gary Tan of Initialized Capital, as well as, uh, I think, Flybridge Capital. And then... Uh, yeah, they're doing something that's trying to transform data modeling, to my understanding, which is not very deep. So we brought an extra guest host today. My friend Joe is a product guy, and he knows more in depth about these things. And um, Ahmed is a CEO of the company. So Ahmed, welcome to the Startup Mindsets uh, podcast. Happy to have you. Welcome. Happy to be here. Excited to chat and excited to dive into all those things from my Combinator to raising money to yeah. building a company that's actually very different than what most companies experience. So lots of fun stories along the ways. Yeah, you know, I read actually that you came up with this uh, idea like when you were working for WeWork. Yeah. Uh, and, you so know, it's like a lot of WeWork stories. <laughs> oh, man, WeWork, that, what, do we, what do we do with those guys, right? <laughs> like, can you tell me like the moment or actually, you know, what would be great would be just to just give me like the overview of Naderator's company. Yeah, so Narrator helps companies um, make better decisions, and we are able to do that incredibly fast. So you can actually ask a question and answer a question in under 10 minutes in Narrator. And this problem of being able to ask and answer questions um, is extremely hard. I think we spend a lot of time talking about AI and like yeah. machine learning and how robots are going to take over the world. And then you're like, you know, most companies, if you ask them like how many people that came to your site called you right after, that would take them two weeks and have like two very senior engineers working on this problem to try to figure out that conversion rate. It's a really hard question. Um, and the example I always like to give that people are like, okay, well, like you're telling me that nobody solved this problem. I'm like, <laughs> here's a situation that happens. If you call Apple support, yeah. Apple <laughs> tracks that you've been on their website, Apple tracks that you've done, you reset their phone, Apple tracks everything that you do. And the first thing that the support person is like, have you tried the FAQ documentation? And you're like, yes, I've read it. And then the only way they can communicate what you're doing is by literally writing notes so that the next person like sees it, even though they have all that data tracked. And the mm -hmm. problem is not capturing data and it's not the problem with size of data, it's how you stitch that data together. And that's what Narrator really innovated on, is stitching that data together very efficiently, very quickly. And so instead of you having to do it by hand and spend weeks, you can do it in minutes with Narrator. Um, and that has kind of mm -hmm. cascaded through this whole like movement that we're seeing where people like, are shifting how they ask and answer questions and how people integrate and really just make better decisions. Wow. Uh, Joe, do you want to ask something? Yeah, no, I was reading that you guys are pretty much um, an alternative model to the star schema, right? Or the, mm -hmm. yeah, how you guys want to go away from that and want to create your own like smarter version of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if, if so I'm assuming you might know, but the listeners probably not all of them would know. So the way that data kind of works today is using something that's called a star schema. It's like pretty much the only model that really exists. Mm -hmm. And it's like the data team comes up with like, think about it as Excel, right? You have Excel sheets and you're like, the data team is like, okay, you might want to understand how these things impact these things. And I'm going to put them all in one Excel table so you can kind of pivot and slice and dice and plot. Right. And you build that table and you put it into a BI tool like Looker, Tableau, um, yeah, all these tools. Know, yeah. And then they slice and dice it. The problem is building that table requires some engineer to write a lot of SQL and it's really messy and really complicated and there's a lot of nuances there. So people often have like you build one and then you build two and then three and four and five mm -hmm. and like at WeWork it was 800 middle tables 
And when you have that many, now you have dependencies and how they relate to each other. And if you want to fix one thing or add another column, you can actually break everything. So yeah. it's this huge problem that you're, <laughs> we've always kind of built tables for specific questions. And what narrative decided to do, which is like the whole, everyone does this, by the way, it's like actually ridiculous. So the more companies you talk to, the more you're like, I can't believe this, how data works. Like, <laughs> and we've, we've gotten really good. Like companies have gotten really good at helping you manage that shit show. So like DBT is worth, just got raised another worth four point something billion dollars. And all they help you is like manage those hundreds of lines of SQL queries that each generate each one of these tables. And it's like an insane thing. And Narrator came up with this idea during WeWork, which was like, what if you had one table only? What if you only had one Excel sheet that had all your data? And what if that Excel sheet was only 10 columns? What if literally we got rid of the, we have like, <laughs> instead of this 800 tables that you fucking have, that's a yeah, mess. Yeah. What if it was just one tiny table that was only 10 columns? And what if that one table could answer any question you have? Well, what, what are we going further? What if that one table was the same exact table for every company in the world? And then that's what ended up narrator ended up building, which is what does that one table look like? And how do you make that one table answer questions? And today we have companies from like analyzing yeah. molecular biology to like banks, to like hospitals, to like media companies, to e-commerce, to like insurance, yeah. all using that same 10 column table answering all their questions at record speed. And I think that's kind of the big shift is moving away from this, like, I built this thing. It's like, we've been doing this for so years. It's like custom building things for a set of questions to this more open-ended generic way of doing it. No, that, that's super impressive. I mean, hard to picture in the head just since it seems like there's so much data you, you, you're saying, you're saying that you took 800, 800 rows and basically it becomes like 10 lines, 10 columns. Yeah. How, how was it building this initially? I mean, was it all you or like, you know, how does, yeah. does it become the, so, become the real thing? Yeah, yeah, this is a great question. Um, so the funny thing about narrator, and this is what you're going to see a lot, is everything I say kind of <laughs> sounds like bullshit. Like, I'm going to make a lot of claims. And like, this is the problem that everyone faces with narrator is they're like, like I'll do demos and they'll be like, well, show me your perpetual motion machine. Like yeah. this sounds kind of like bullshit. And I'm like, I know. And if you told me what, I, what we were going to do when, like when I was running data for WeWork and you were like, Hey, well, I'm going to study this. I'll be like, okay, let's see what this is. Magic. <laughs> um, and the amazing thing is like, I, I can't even demo it and you'll see me do it. And I'll ask you to ask me any question in the world. And you'll be like, what's the catch? How did you do this? Oh, you predicted my question. I'm like, ask me another question. Ask me another. And it takes like a while before it clicks. But I'll tell you how it works. Because you're going to be like, well, that seems simple. Why doesn't everybody do this? Okay. So the big moment in narrators, like, aha, in the startup, when you talk about startups, like everyone has the aha moment where you're like, wait a second. So I had built this system with the star schema approach using like the, in 2015, um, and I had like using like it was back then it was like the big tools where like you had like your custom data uh, EL tool, you had like Luigi, you had like Chartio. And then I was like, we ran into the same issues where like it just wasn't working. We had too many questions. It was taking too long. So we replaced it with like the next generation of tools, which was like at that time it was like Fivetran, Airflow, Chartio. And that wasn't working. And we're like, hey, fuck Airflow. Let's do five trend custom build. Let's add Tableau. So we had Charlie and Tableau. And we're like, well, fuck, that wasn't working. So then we ended up building five trend, um, a custom built data manager tool 
Looker and Tableau. And we're like, well, that's going to solve the problem. We spend now, we have like $3 million spent on tools. Yeah. It didn't. We're like, fuck, okay, maybe it's our custom tool. Let's switch to DBT. So we had five chain and we're like, fuck Redshift. We're going to switch to Snowflake. We're going to use DBT and we're going to now have Looker and Tableau. And we're going to have also Domo for, I mean, uh, Wave Analytics for some other shit. And Salesforce uh-huh. had like uh-huh. an insane stack. And we're like, this is going to be fucking great. We're going to answer every question. Yeah. <laughs> every single time I did this thing, I was like, oh, yeah, refactoring is going to be so good. We're going to answer everything so quickly. And then, like, our time to answer questions was, like, we're talking about, like, six to seven days. Like, it was so long. If it, like, if you think about it, every, we had three uh, 4,000 employees at uh, WeWork. Uh-huh. If everybody asks one question, that's 4,000 questions. Yeah. If it takes a week to answer every question, okay. then you get an answer. And then they will come back with like seven follow-ups like instantly. So we used to have a joke where if you weren't three degrees from the CEO, your question was never going to get answered. It would just like go into this, like we like call it like the death. Like just like, yeah, eventually. <laughs> and like apparently time stops and I have a million more hours I can answer these questions. And we had a 45 person team. So it was big. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the reason why all this stuff happens is because we have all these tables we have to build and change and manage and blah, 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 blah. But I noticed one interesting thing, actually, while, while I was reading blogs um, by Netflix. Um, and I was like, wait, it's interesting. It's interesting that like when I read a blog by Netflix, I can read about their algorithm or their approach and I can understand it. Sure. Like you can read something about any other company and you can understand what's going on in their system. Yeah. Yet you have no idea what their data model looks like. So you can um, somehow you're able to understand the question they ask, how they answered it without ever understanding what their underlying tables look like. Mm. Well, how the hell did you do that in your head and how are they able to communicate it? Well, it turns out, really simple, everyone asks and talks about things using some customer or entity, like a person or a building, for example, we work. Sure. And what they're doing, so they come in, they book a tour, and we're trying to increase the conversion from booking a tour to signing a contract. Right. Well, why isn't my data getting modeled that way? Why isn't my data just saying, Ahmed, booked the tour at this time. Ahmed, like, signed the contract at this time. And why not have some features on each one of them? Yeah. Well, there's a big reason why that will never work. Cause like, that's not how SQL works. You can't put that table literally anywhere. You can't, you can't, you have to join based on identifiers. You have to do okay. everything, everything in, in data is like VLOOKUPs for a similar to SQL. Okay. So you're like, well, how do I know that this person did it? And what happens if they signed three contracts? And what happens if they had three tours? Well, do I, is one goes to three and now I have nine rows or does one go to one? How the fuck do I combine these things? So that was the problem we had to solve. So to give you an idea, after that, what happened at WeWork, I decided to see like, okay, this seems like there's a fundamental problem here. And I went and talked to like Apple. I talked to Spotify. I talked to Netflix. I talked to data engineers across all these companies to be like, how the hell are you guys doing this? Mm-hmm. And everyone said the same thing. It's like the nature of the beast. Like that's what data they is. Have, like, they have, they have a, lot, a lot of engineers and manpower to, to get the A lot of engineers, answer. manpower, and everyone does it. And it's kind of like, right. if you look at a lot of innovation stories, it's the same shit. Everyone like, you're a Tesla, <laughs> and everyone's like, well, like cars are combustion. I don't know what you want to do. And he's like, what if they were electric? And he's like, oh, you want to build a little motorboat? You want to build a remote control car? That's electric. <laughs> and it's like, you can't build a real car that's electric. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were like, so that's kind of what we did. And it took us two and a half years to get it to actually work. Like that little problem of how to combine things in a way that works when you have a trillion rows and to be able to answer any question the way that we speak about it, that yeah. is very hard. And I say any question, like I will like, we do these things where I challenge people to find a question we can't answer. And I now oh, we haven't seen that yet. So 
that's kind of the really, really big part in it that made Narrator really, really powerful. But there is a huge hurdle you have to overcome when you do something in a startup. There's like two kinds of startups that we always see. There's what's called business model innovations. You take something, you make it better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like DBT is the best way to do star schema data modeling. It's like yeah. better. That Airflow, like it's 90% the same as Airflow, but it's 10% better and therefore you switch to it. If you think okay. about like in CDPs, like you, if you guys know Mixpanel, Amplitude, or Heap, yeah, yeah, like those, the difference yeah, between them is like very minimalistic. Right. Like mm-hmm. you have to be an expert to know the difference, but like they're a little bit better. And you're like, yeah. I'll switch to it. Like it doesn't, it, it's like a little bit, same price, a little bit better, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. build something right. different, you have to change the mindset. Right. Like of the, your users. So everyone comes in going, what you're saying sounds impossible. Like, I don't know. And how, like, did you, how did you end up doing that? Or like, how did that pr- like kind of initially begin? Because, you know, you're working with a brand new tool that's, you know, your, your tool different than what exists in the marketplace. Like, how does the first person trying this out uh, kind of experience it? And, you know, you have to take their experience and then tailor it and tailor it. Like, how did, how did that happen? What was that like? Yeah. So there's two things there that you have to be very aware of. When you're doing something different, it can't be just 10x better. It has to be 100x better. 100x. Like, like, like when, you, when you hear, like, I, I, like I've referenced Tesla because I think it's, like, the most common startup that most people know. Yeah. But like, the Tesla car couldn't he be has a Tesla. hideous. <laughs> like, what? My buddy, Joe, has one. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you ride it, they're really, really beautiful. Yeah. Like, they couldn't be, like, the Tesla could be the best motor electric car. And if it was ugly and hideous and didn't drive nicely, you would be like, fuck electric cars. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though, like, it's a huge innovation for them to be able to make a whole thing powered by electric. Like, you wouldn't care. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, you want me to drive an electric car? Like, it's so ugly. So when you are building something different that's competing with the competition, you don't have to just beat the competition. You have to excel at every single detail, which is really tricky because when you're sure. building a startup, you have like 20 person team and you're fighting against Google, which has a hundred thousand engineers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and they also have 10 years and a lot of like history and a lot of like when you people Google best practice, they come up, you're not coming up because you're too small. So you're fighting against the fact that the best practice is also the most common thing. Mm-hmm. You're fighting against the fact that they have a million more engineers than you a lot more money, a lot more marketing, a lot more business relationships. And then the fact that the, no one has to change their mind to try it. They're just like, oh, I get it. While you are trying to do everything against, so like you're just climbing this hill that's like, people won't get what you're doing because it's innovation. By definition, if you were able to like instantly click to you how sure. it works, then there's no innovation. You're like, oh, I get it. Like I can figure this out. It's like clever, but not innovative. The fact that you couldn't figure out how it works is the by definition, innovation and not only that smaller team less time less money less marketing less power and you're trying to like replace google yeah and i was so with, a lot of our customers where you where you are currently with the company i, I know you guys like uh are you know at a good i would say success well i mean you know me i used to work in bc is as you hear somebody raise a say they're successful and look at who invested and you think that uh, what is it called like that success but like I mean, you're, you you know, since you're in the, in the, what do you call it? In the, in the water every day, or like in the trenches, like what exactly to you is, uh, you know, going well for the company, like since, since, uh, those time periods and like, how, how is, uh, 
you know, how's the company doing today since like, uh, you know, in terms of like how, how people are feeling when they're interacting with the, the product? Yeah. So, um, well, the company's the, the good news about the company is that people really fucking love it. Like it is such a different way that like we haven't had a single company churn yet. So no everyone who's used the product, yeah, stays with us. Um, our upgrades are averaging like 2.6x with companies going from like doubling their contract to like 7xing their contract. So we're seeing this huge way of like people who experience narrator are like extreme uh, fans. Like that's it. I think like it's actually really funny. Like we've the amount of applications that we've had to join narrator from companies that bought narrator is it's like it's like <laughs> like a significant number. Um, we're always amazed. So I think that once people like see it and experience it, they're like, oh wait, there's no going back. Like my team will say the same thing. They're like, we're kind of like, you kind of fucked us. We have no job opportunities after narrator. And I'm like, they're, they're like, they're like, like, it's like, it's not going to go back to fucking doing it the old way. Like I do stuff like in minutes that would have taken me weeks. You want me to literally go back to that? Like it's mm -hmm. such a shift. So uh, we have this incredible thing. That's like, it is a great positive uh, customer experience. Our product is incredible. Like if you see it, it will literally look like magic and whatever bar you're imagining it to be, I will exceed that bar in a demo. Like it is, there's so much phenomenal things that the team has been able to create thanks to this approach. Um, so the challenge. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just going to, uh, I can, I can let you finish. I was just going to go back to your hundred X, how you said you have to make a product that kind of changes behavior, right? That's where you're going mm -hmm. to. Yeah. So it could be really good. Like I understand that whole thing because, um, yeah, like you said, Tesla and like all these good products that are, um, I guess, changing behavior. Those are the ones that have become more successful because they're really like brand new, brand new. And this is something like you're, you're doing for this space, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So these companies do become the generational companies that you remember. Like when Uber first came out, you had to change the fundamental behavior of what is a taxi, yeah. who can be a taxi driver, <laughs> what is a medallion, because you had to get medallions. Like what? There were so many things that Uber shifted in our behavior. Airbnb, you're comfortable staying at a random person's house thanks yeah. to Airbnb. Like not in the beginning. You weren't doing that earlier. <laughs> you weren't finding hey, some hey, house on Craigslist and being like, hello. I gotta ask you, like, what is like the the B two B, or you know, like since that's consumer based, like we kind of understand that, but like, what would be like the example for? Um, I mean, what would be like AWS would be an example? Salesforce. Salesforce. Salesforce is a great example. So Salesforce, if you, I don't know if you guys know the history of Salesforce, but too yeah, much. Yeah, Mark Yeah, but I mean, feel free to give it. Yeah, it was anti. Yeah. So like Salesforce was a, was was an anti CRM. Like uh -huh. it was. Now we call Salesforce a default CRM, but before that. It was actually an anti-CRM. So what happened was every company in the world used to have their own sales system literally built in. And yeah. like Mark Benoff was like, hey, it turns out that all sales can be represented as leads, accounts, and opportunities and tasks. And I'm going to build it in the cloud. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 whoa. My business is super fucking unique. It's so <laughs> complicated. There's no way you can represent it in your finally little cloud solution on this internet garbage. Like we have internal solutions that everyone's custom built. And Mark Benoff was like, yeah, but like, do you want to be able to hire salespeople from other companies? You want to be able to move people around? Do you want to have a standard way? Sales needs so many other tools. We need to build a standard layer so we can have a stack exchange and have different tools be integrated into your sales process. And everybody was like, no, 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 no. No, we're not doing it. So Mark Benef <laughs> actually ran an anti-CRM campaign that said like, CRM is the... Yeah, and then you want to switch over to the cloud. And it was like, 
fuck all that stuff. And they started building and people who started using Salesforce were like, wow, this is way better than my shitty custom built solution. And it's way simpler. And like nowadays we're like, of course you can represent all sales as these four things. Like that's what narrator hopefully will be in the future. You'll be like, oh, of course your data is in one table. What do you mean you had 900 tables? And you're like, do you remember the past? Do you remember the past? Yeah. Um, so now we do a Salesforce <laughs> and like Salesforce took, uh, when they went public, they took the letter CRM as a stab to the industry to show that they like made it. And then they mm. became the default of CRM, which yeah. is incredible. And I think that's like a good B2B story that like ended up happening. Um, and there's a lot of other examples like that, that they've kind of like sure. really fought against everyone's like natural inclination of like, I'm a fucking snowflake. Um, to like, and then moved over to like, there's actually, you can do a lot more with, with less. Well, yeah, no, I mean, that's great. I think that's really, uh, you know, helpful to visualize. So thanks for that. One, one thing I want to yeah. hear about your experience was, uh, well, actually what was the tagline? Like the one sentence tagline you gave YC when you were, uh, interviewing her, was it like, uh, I'm the, I'm going to be, how, how would you complete that sentence? You, this is a story I've never told people, so this okay. is the first time I'm sharing a story publicly. Uh, when I when I applied to YC, they were like, I did the interview, and they were like, we have no fucking clue what you're building. <laughs> and they were like, let's have another interview. So I did a second interview <laughs> yeah. with another group of people who were more technical, and they were like, we have no idea what, we're, what you're building. And I oh, was shit. like, this was two years in, so it was like two years in, and they were like, we have no clue what you're building. And then I was like, okay. Then they called me and they're like, listen, we honestly have no idea what you're building. And it sounds like you're like doing something that makes no sense. Like, I don't know where it fits in the data stack. I don't know where it fits in the industry. Like, why would somebody want this? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But like, somehow you have a team of, of very, our average, like years of experience at Narrator was like 15 years. It was very senior team. It was like the, my former, the VP of engineering at WeWork, my boss's boss was like working with us. Like it was just like, he was uh, working for us. Like the team was like very senior. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, if you have a team this senior, something about what you're doing is getting people to believe in you. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but we're like excited to see how you are in this problem. And that's what ended up happening. So they ended up accepting me, literally not understanding what I do. And like we spent sure. the first month of them being like, why are you building this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, did you have a demo at the time? Like, did you show them like what you guys did, like on a platform or something? Um, yeah, we did have a demo. It was just like very nuanced to actually understand. Okay. Like nowadays, the demo is like like incredible, and you like put a you like you ask me any question, and I get you an entire human generated analysis that it breaks it down, tells you thinks about the problem, helps yeah. you makes makes a recommendation, puts in a story with plots as evidence, and it's like a beautiful experience that happens in like five minutes. But mm -hmm. back then. It was like, well, like you're going to like, because again, we solve a very, the innovation of narrator is this core data engineering relationship issue. Right. And if you're not very knowledgeable about the field, that innovation doesn't make sense. So I think that was the big thing that was like, we ended up building a world around our innovation. Like we built like kind of the innovation that Tesla did was actually like power storage. That's what they did. Storage and distribution of power. Yeah. But like nobody thinks about Tesla that they think about Tesla as an autonomous car and like a really nice car and electric car. Mm -hmm. Electric car is an application around this core innovation. Right. And that's what we did. So we ended up building the, now that the innovation was kind of beginning to work, we mm -hmm. built the world around it. And then people see the world and they're like, this world seems magical, but it's only possible because we solved this really core innovation problem. Okay. Wow. And uh, the, oh, 
And at the time, did your uh, did you guys have users when you applied, or were you guys still no users? Um, we were like doing a beta with one user. Okay. Yeah. So it was like like one kind of customer in kind of beta with us testing it. That customer went through a lot of ups and downs because like they believed in it. Was <laughs> but again, like I said, you can't just be 10x better. You have to be 100x better. So it like sucks. You're building software that's very complicated and you're trying to innovate and you're trying to use your tests and you're trying to figure out what works. Yeah. And like then it ended up taking us two years after um, YC or like a year and a, a year and a half after YC to act, um, to actually, we've only been selling for like a very short time. Uh, Ahmed, I got to so, ask you, uh, and that's a great point. I asked you, like, how do you navigate that difficult, murky, you know, time of trying to get the user to like you? And you know what I mean? Like, and now there's a lot of users to like you, but like, with like the first champion users or like the beta user you were mentioning and like, trying to make that, have improved the concept, right? Like, try to have a, then get, yeah. how do you well, navigate that in two years? Now? Now? You know? Early days or now? Uh, yeah, this would be great. And then uh, maybe now too, we have. Uh, okay, you can so also do that too. <laughs> in the early days, you're begging. Your blood sweat begging, right? you're just going. You're like, listen, this is gonna be great, and you have to explain to someone who knows enough to see the vision. And you are depending a lot on your reputation and who you are and what you do and the team because they have to yeah. believe in you that you're gonna build something that's gonna be great because it's not gonna be great in the beginning. So you're right. really begging, and you're going above and beyond. Like we did something that I think was like absolutely insane where to show, to really battle test it. We said, what if we don't sell the product? What if we sell a consultancy? So we used to sell a, we would answer any of your questions like as a Slack service, we will connect your system and I will be there answering your questions. And if my tool is good enough, I should be able to answer 10 questions, 10 companies firing uh -huh. questions in Slack. And I do it. And when you, when you deal with that struggle, Every little tiny thing about it, your product not being good makes you want to go crazy. Like if you're a CEO fielding hundreds of questions, like your product having weird like column names and like things sure. not automatically being doing for you and every extra click is exhausting. Mm -hmm. So that's how we kind of got the product to be where it is today, where like I was a, a data team for 10 companies by myself using our tool. And, that, and then that is when, when I became like comfortable in it, then we're like, sure. okay, let's kill our consultancy. Let's sell a product. And nowadays, I think the same process goes with like our champions. They use narrator mm -hmm. and they get so fucking like, they're able to do their job so much faster. And they're like, wow, this was way better and easier. And then slowly they actually start getting like the other people on the team are like, wait, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? And he's like, oh, <laughs> just like do it in narrator, do it in narrator, do it in narrator. And it becomes like this like slow moving and then they kind of fuck us. And then they're like, we're going to add 700 users to narrator. And we're like, great, oh, but training <laughs> now. Yes. You know, this is different. And now 700 new people have to learn the difference. And it's been a fun process. I mean, I got to ask you, you got a question. Well, no, I'll ask, it. I'll ask it after. Uh, yeah. So what I was going to say was I was reading the story about narrator and you were in San Francisco with the founders in a house, kind of like Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Uh, what can you just? I mean, tell me like what that was like, and I mean, I, I'd imagine it's fun, right? But like, uh, do you recommend that founders live with each other? Or, like, how would you? <laughs> how, how, how do you, um, you know talk about? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's good and bad. It's there's a lot of benefits of it where you get to live together, so you're really focused on what the company's doing, and you're really dedicated to making this thing successful and work out. 
So I think that's an incredible experience that you get to never have. It's really rare, especially if you're older. Like most of the like most of the companies much older. Mm-hmm. And most of them have kids and wives and like um so like it's really not an easy thing to just be like let's leave your kids and wives and come live with me for three oh, months to like build something <laughs> like you're like you're like dude I'm like most of the companies early we work we're like we've already been through we work when it was like oh, second engineer at we work so like we've already seen this shit go up and down like this is not like and it's exciting like oh my god it's a startup we're like okay we've done this before yeah so i think that's so that's probably the the opportunity to kind of be in focus is really good, but also like the emotion is so high. Yeah. You, like say. are so f- focused for us. Like keep in mind that like narrator was a very hard thing to explain. Mm-hmm. Like, and like the, the, the person who joined me, who, be, who became a co-founder, um, one of them, uh, like two and a half years in, he goes, I think I finally get narrator. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's great, but like terrifying. <laughs> um, but like, it is that when you're building something that's different, like not everyone's going to get the vision because there's some underlying technology that's going to be kind of fuzzy. So sure. you're, that causes a lot of tension, especially in a startup community. Cause everyone, like, for example, you can raise a lot of money faster by not building different. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. Looker built a better plotting tool, dashboarding tool like much better than what was before and grew very quickly became valued and got bought for three billion dollars and that's an incredible story for most vcs and incredible stories for most founders it's like a great win mm-hmm. but like will you know what looker is in a hundred years no no like it's gonna die it, it, it's it, it's already like the 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 people have moved on so you have this like time to shine it's like i, I look at it like high school so when sure. you're in high school you can be really cool during high school and it's like, okay, great. But like, what happens after like the next stage of your life where cool is different? So people are like, we've seen that so many people migrate off of Looker, even though it was the hottest thing. And I think that happens a lot. When you build something different, this like, there's a lot of like startup bullshit, hoorah energy. So you're like with your friends yeah. and everyone's raising like a trillion dollars at a billion dollar valuation. And like, cause VCs love like hype. Like whenever you see a wave, like Snowflake went public and every yeah. other database <laughs> company just like dumped money into it. Like, and like, I was like, why? They're like, next snowflake, next snowflake. And I'm like, yeah, but like, yeah. like there is a snowflake. Like, it's kind of like the clubhouse thing, right? Like what happened to clubhouse, clubhouse nowadays? Exploded. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh my God, clubhouse the future. <laughs> it's the next Instagram, next Instagram. And then it died. Yeah. And then like, you see those kind of like really insane, insane, like spikes and they raise a lot of money. And it's just not sustainable. It's just impossible to sustain. Like you're like DPT is raising a lot of money very quickly and has to get acquired because like, again, because they're not innovation, like there's nothing making someone stay with them versus move to another tool. Like innovation is getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. So like the difference is it just takes one other company more subsidized by VCs to build something a little bit prettier, taking all your knowledge and then give it to you for cheaper. And everyone's like, oh, Okay, yeah. I, I don't have to do it. Versus like the world that we do with narrator, where like so I think that is a very different culture, which is very hard to do in like the startup, like I oh, excited. It's kind of soul crushing a little bit to me to watch all these startups like raise a trillion dollars. Mm. And we're like doing we're not like we're growing, but not as fast as dumb. But it's also because we don't we don't get the ability to just go into a room and say, like, you have this, we're like this, but not but just this little twist. And I was like, Oh, I love that twist, but 
Like we have to like shift, do so much more work to get you. But like you see with Tesla, like you see with Salesforce, like you see with these companies, once it gets to a certain point, they become nearly impossible to compete against. Because yeah, now yeah. for you to compete against, you have to, you have to be like, oh, we're doing the same thing as them. Well, they own the mindset. Like what, do, what do you mean? Like, like oh, so, Salesforce and XYZs or Uber, like, like they own the they own the thought, like they own the user's opinion, like their impression. Is that what you're trying to Example, yeah, but they own the idea of what you're doing. So when you think about like when you hop in in a lift, yeah, okay, and you're talking to people, how often are you? Are you like, oh, I just got in my Uber. Yeah, like technically you got into a lift, but not yeah. an Uber. But like uh, the idea of getting into a car that's shared is an Uber. Yeah, that yeah. means they will always have most majority market. So right. Uber almost acquired Lyft for ten percent of its shares. Like that's how Uber was ten times bigger than Lyft. Like when you talk about like a sales system right now, and you think about like you talk about Salesforce, you talk about building your. You literally say, "I'm building my Salesforce." And you yeah. talk about like you'll use words that are like Salesforce words that have now become the standard. Hmm. Like when you talk about electric cars, you're like, "Oh, this electric car is really good," and you compare it to what. Like the Amaki from Mustang. No, you compare everything to this Tesla because that's yeah. a standard for now electric cars. So like if electric cars <laughs> get bigger, all that happens is Tesla gets bigger. So the fact that all these other companies are building electric cars is giving Tesla more power. The fact that all these other companies are being now building the cloud CRM, it's saying that this is now important. So now that is growing. So you just have, it's just a hard thing to, compete against you either have to change someone's mind again or build something that's like oh are you building narrator but like this but just because you said i'm building narrator but like this i've said that we've owned the definition we own the default thinking we own the approach hmm. yeah but, you can't start um, to put it back hard to what, what what do you think this means for the industry of like data science like um, let's say narrator takes off and is the go-to um, tool now like what happens with like all the data engineers that are out there? Because I'm, I'm guessing like the workflow would reduce, so they have more time to do things. Mm -hmm. But does this mean better products, more revenue, or what does this mean for like the industry as a whole? Like, let's say it really takes off and it's like number one. Yeah. 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 Well, what it means is that you have two benefits, right? One is that companies can compete with each other much earlier. Okay. It is now when you try to compete with Amazon, they will optimize the shit out of their system way more than you could ever do because they have they can answer amazon has enough people to answer 10x the questions you do yeah. as a smaller company once everyone starts using narrator it no, it's no longer about how many data engineers do you have to answer questions it's about who can ask better questions and who can act on better decisions that is a fair playing field right now it's like who can afford to hire more data engineers and spend more money yeah which is an unfair data field so you get you get this create this like really good at quality and now we're all playing at the same level data engineers let me as, as a person who's had a huge data engineering team like this part of data combining is nobody got into business for that nobody is like oh, i want to spend my whole life thinking about how this ta table could break mm -hmm. people got into data engineering for was to help mobilize people with data yeah so what you're going to see a lot more is if you use apps they're going to be a lot more intelligent into pushing and guiding you like i hate the fact that so many apps like i'm like i already gave you this information 13 fucking times sure but you gave it to a bunch of other systems now data engineer can help bring that to the user and mm -hmm. make products so much better like 
this stuff that you do can be so much better. When you call Apple, they can be like, okay, listen, you've already reset your phone. You already did this. You already did this thing. We have no other options than other than for you to go into store. We've already booked a store appointment for you. We found the nearest one to you based on the last location you went to. And right. you did it at 7 p.m. last week. We're going to do it same time. Yeah, that yeah. would take right now a product engineering team of like 50 to build that feature. But if you moved it to a data problem and yeah. you had the data ability to combine it, this is like, I can build it in narrator in 10 minutes. Like, well, not 10 minutes, like probably like two hours, to be honest. You see that I shift. I was just going to ask you, because that kind of, because I'm looking at your narratives product right now, and mm-hmm. it's something saying like story-like format. Are you generating that story-like format? Or do you have to, like, is the AI generating like the best possible format you could have for your data? Or how does that work? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's a, so that, that's one of those features we have to see it, but I'll tell you, when you see it, you're going to think it's auto. You're going to think that <laughs> it's, it's going to read. Well, no, no, no. It actually reads very well. It reads <laughs> like somebody wrote it to you. Like it looks like you're, you're like, it will look like somebody prepared that specific answer for you. Okay. Okay. And then you're going to be like, wait, that's way too well written. Are you using some advanced deep learning shit? And I'll say no. And what it is, is that we are, because of our standard layer, we're able to write analyses. So we have a lot of experts in-house that write these analyses. Some mm. of them are generic, some of them are not. And then we're able to templatize them. And because every company has the same exact 10 columns, we can just kind of like do some like swapping and then create literally, it looks like it's thinking. So if you look mm. at the analysis example, the video online, and you yeah. see what that analysis looks like and you go through it, you'll be like, wait, how do you know to do that? Wait, wait. Oh, you're like, you're literally live reasoning about the last plot. And you're like, oh, well, let me combine this data. Oh, let me find this one sticks out. Let's try to do that one. Let's cool. see if it's consistent. And it's doing that and it's telling you in a story that you can read. Because at the end of the day, we've kind of got into this habit of what's called data theater, where we show you a lot of plots and everyone's like, look at these dashboards. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. map and all these big circles and small circles. And I'm like, yeah. cool. We have a lot of users in US. Am I supposed yeah. to like go like, I already am in the US. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> like yay what we're just doing is we judge ourselves based on your actions so we have to give you analyses that's like shift like shift people from receiving like the um hot products email to receiving mm-hmm. more of the welcome email because that will actually that shifting those people don't get don't tell you to get more leads that's a terrible answer but if you shift the the, the behavior, action you're taking you can yeah. incre- those people convert higher so that will increase your conversion rate overall and it'll help you make a decision and we can't just tell you the answer. We have to give you the enough details that you like imagine that answer being computed in your head. So yeah. you're confident to go act. And once you act, that's what we look at to say, how many people are acting based on our narratives? Not just looking at it and saying, cool. I want to know who's actually taking actions and shifting. And when you take an action using our recommendation, does the results behave the same way we expected them to? And right. I think that's like the... I would love to see a data company measure themselves based on actions that people take outside yeah. of just like views. Everyone's like, we've, we've shown, we've processed 10 trillion rows of data. It's like, cool. Yeah. Or yeah. Two billion action. dashboards. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Like, <laughs> cool. No, I've been there because the last company I worked at, we, uh, we had a bunch of data problems with like bugs. The numbers weren't right. It was just taking so long to load. And then uh, we were showing the customer a bunch of dashboards, but they really didn't mean much. <laughs> they the and they're like okay we see the numbers here but where's like the prescriptive insights like on well, what to do next like how the hell do we act on this we just couldn't do that yeah and we had like a uh, 25 person data team but still though we had trouble doing that 
Yeah. And that's another thing that we hear from all the customers and we're like, try narrator and slowly and surely and eventually people experience it, try it, love it. And that's kind of what happens. That's it's actually, like, this cool product. sucks. Yeah. Now that yeah. I'm thinking about it some more, like it's actually a pretty cool product, man. Thank you. Hey, hey Ahmed, I'm uh, just going to ask you this a couple, couple of questions. Um, when, you know, you were raising from uh, the series A from initialized capital, uh, just like, what was that experience like? And, you know, you as a founder who's really, you know, probably doing fundraising for the first time, like what, or, you know, the, the host of yeah. VCs and uh, people who backed you, like what was, uh, just what was that experience like? Uh, don't need to get into the two nitty gritties, but like if you have a yeah, story like, there, like, something cool that like, you could share, we'd love to hear that. Um, I can tell you, we used to make people come to our house and sit next to me and like experience the product. That's like, that was it. Like, <laughs> I it was I, like, I don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm like, VCs, VCs are like, if you're like, oh, we're building a snowflake, but we're cheaper. And everyone's like, here's a trillion dollars. Like it's much yeah. easier to get that. When you're building Narrator, it was looking for investors who believed in us and understood what we we're solving, understood the problem and how big if it is. So most of our investors, we would tell them, we're like, find me the most technical person or find me a company that has a head of data. Like bring someone in the room who understands this problem. And when that person in the room says, what you're talking about sounds impossible, I'll say, okay, great. Let's assume it's, let's just like, we have the skepticism. I believe you, but like, if it was possible, what would that mean for the world? And they would paint this vision for us of like, well, if you can solve this problem and you can answer any question in 10 minutes and like, I can change how I behave and all these things. And I'm like, so there's like a, like a, there's so much value in solving this problem, but it sounds impossible. So now all I have to do is convince you that this is possible. And then this world we can create. And that's how we ended up raising money. We would say like, mm. sit next to me and let me show you the innovation so you can believe that it's possible. And like, just, I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to prove what was their reaction. What, what was like the reaction to that? Were they like, oh my God, here's, this is crazy. Like, I don't it's, get it still. Like, what is, what people was don't get that way. It's often like very much like, it's like, cool. like, okay. it's like a lot of like, like you just get a lot of this, like kind of luck of like, I don't know what you're, like, there's some <laughs> catch. Like it, it felt like we were a magician being like, look, this person is levitating. There's yeah. no strings underneath. There's no, they were like, no, you're definitely doing something that like makes this work in the back. Like you're hiding, like, like how do you know that I was going to ask this question and how'd you prepare it? And I'm like, they're like, no, like I, I did, did not know. And I'll say, prove me by contradiction. Like, I'm not like trying to like do it right now in front of you. Take a couple of days, go home, come up with one question that we can't answer. Find me the hardest question you've ever asked and then come back to me. So then, and I'll do it live again. If I can't answer it, fuck us. We're a waste of your time. Screw, this doesn't work. <laughs> you just got to prove me by contradicting once, like prove by contradiction. And I think that's like a very much like some people, a lot of investors just kind of like ditch because they're just like, oh, I don't know what the catch is. I don't want to spend time figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. But every now and then there's somebody who's like, wait a second. Like, and, and the other thing that happens as a VC investment, we are a very good bet. Like VCs, their business model is on fund returners. Mm-hmm. So like, even if you're like, okay, I get it, but there's probably a catch. You probably can answer 80% of questions. So everyone says, okay, you can't answer all questions, maybe 80% only. And I'm like, or like 80% of e-commerce. I'm like, no, literally all questions, get over yourself. Um, so, what, but let's say if it is true and we do succeed, we could win just like Salesforce won the sales market. We can win the data market, which is huge. Oh, yeah. So even if like the chance of us succeeding is half 
or one tenth of another like standard st st startup that's clearly going to be bought for a billion dollars, their return on the billion dollars versus their return on our likelihood to win the market, even if we're 10% as likely to win as this other company, our return will 10x that. So mm -hmm. in terms of revenue risk, we're actually a better revenue investment. That's because cool. like if we no. succeed, we'll probably give them like a couple billion dollars versus the other company succeeds, they might give them 20, 30 million. And I think that makes it a very different ball game to play in terms of like the risk tolerance that you're willing to take, even right. if you don't get narrator fully. Hey, uh, Ahmed, I just got one, one or two, three more questions here. Uh, and then we'll, yeah. what, what I want to ask you is like, where do you think, uh, you know, you get this entrepreneurial spirit from or unrivaled optimism? Because we can, you know, sense from the conversation that we're having that you're so obsessed and you love the product, you love your job uh, as, a, as a founder, as a CEO. And what, where do you think that comes from, man? Just since like a lot of people, they try to get into business and whether it's their fault or whether it's external, you know, they don't succeed. But like, uh, what do you think? gives you the um, drive what is yeah you know? i didn't want to do it <laughs> what <are> you doing? <laughs> i didn't want to start a company i yeah. never did i like don't like the idea of like when i was at WeWork, i was like this is the startup thing sounds like insane i think the problem is like i like wanted to build a company if i wanted to build a company or if i wanted to make money i would have just stayed at WeWork. if i wanted to build a company i would build like a fucking e-commerce brand it's so much easier I think what I wanted to do, which is very different, is I wanted to change how people think. Like, mm. there's a lot of problems with how people think, and the world sucks because people think shittily. Like, sure. I think about, like, Jewel. Jewel was selling, like, vapes pod, to kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, to, like, 15, 16-year-olds where, like, a lot of young kids were buying Jewels. If, if, I believe if everyone in that company could ask questions, like, and be able to get real answers, people would be like, wait, 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 hold on. Why are wow. we, like doubling down on the on the flavors that are affecting kids if you have a huge data team like you talked about 25 people i bet like 20 of those people hated their fucking lives yeah. like it is the soulless job to spend your whole day building this shit and everyone being like this is garbage and no one needs this like, we all know that no one's using it but like fuck it's like it's so funny, like so, so i had this huge thing which was like this world like like, it was kind of like, if it wasn't me who's going to build this, like, no one else is. Like, I right. went and looked mm -hmm. for companies building it. It wasn't like I started a company. I went on a fucking road tour sure. looking for yeah, companies yeah. to solve. I was like, Netflix, please tell me you solved it. They were like, nope. I was like, Spotify. I was like, come on, any company, Google. Somebody must have solved this problem. And everyone's like, no. And I was like, well, well, then fuck it. If, I'm, if I made it this far to, like, yeah. look at all the possibilities, like, might as well me take a stab at it. And I think that the second thing that keeps me going, because it's exhausting, you get rejected. I've got laughed out of literally, I had VCs laugh me out of a room when I first started this. No like, way. Out loud, kick me out of a room. And I was like, there's no benefit yeah. for them. Because they were like, oh yeah, if you I, back then I didn't have proof. So I was claiming these claims without yeah. any proof. So I sounded even more like a snake oil salesman. I was like, we're going to do this thing. And they're like, yeah, sure you are. And I was like, it's going to change the world. And they're like, yeah, sure you are. Answer any question in 10 columns. And they're like, how? I was like, well, let me explain to you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I think nowadays it's a lot easier because I get like, I get like adrenaline pumps from customers all mm, day. Like, sure. I think this is going to sound like obnoxious and I think it's a terrible reason to do it, but it works for me. I get called like, narrator gets called as a genius product or I get called as a genius like at least once a day by a customer or a salesperson. They call you a genius. Like, <laughs> call you a genius. And I'm like, 
And I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, this is great. Like, you get so excited. Like, you guys, both of you responding and being like, wait, this might be cool. Like, I, wait, I'm diving deeper. Like, that shit is exciting for me. That, like, yeah. this is so different that you're not, like, I've, I've been, I've sat to pitches and everyone's like, okay, well, so you're doing, like, another version of Uber. Cool. Like, this is something that people are, like, excited by. They're confused by. They want to learn more. And it, you imagine your life being, like, you, uh, um, Giovanni, you said it. You're like, oh, I imagine like you were imagining your life at your class company different because of narrator yeah, yeah. and your exactly. team's life different. Wow. Like, what more do you it's want crazy. than to leave that kind of impact in the world? Yeah, because <laughs> so really the most important thing is time, right? And if you could save me time to work on shit that actually matters, like, dude, that's a win. Yeah. Hey, and that's what we hear from our customers too. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of our customers dropped, they used to take their, like, they used to have an SLA with their, like, data team and their external team, and it used to be 30 days. Yeah. So their, like, expected response rate for, like, senior questions that were approved was 30 days. Uh, we have a cool case study coming out with Narrator, and they drop it to less than a day. So it's within one day, you'll get your any question answered. Yeah. Wow. And I think wow. that's a, a, just think about this thing. Like, you're a data person, you would spend, 30 days asking a question that could be useless. And now, even if it's useless, you spend just one day and you move on to the next thing. And wow. now you're answering 30 times more questions. That means out of those 30, you have 30 more shots on goal to help the company become more successful. And then you're so much excited because you want to make an impact. You're like, oh, wow. Now, instead of one month, one question, I did 30 questions. Three of them turned out to be great fucking home runs, crushing it. Even if your rate is like three out of 30 questions work, it's still like... You're every week, you're like making a huge impact on the company. And I think that feeling when our customers like, I got 30 under 30 because a customer nominated me and filled out everything and was like, I'm so excited that you got it. I nominated you. And I was like, <laughs> you did? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think about what I do every day. And like, this is game changing. People need to know that this is game changing. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, cool. Right. Like that feeling and excited that you're like kind of attributing to me, which is not really me. It's the whole entire team. I'm just like sure. the figurehead <laughs> here, but like, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Claps for you. Yeah. Coming towards the end of the show here, Ahmed, we just want to, uh, before we let you go, ask you these standardized questions that we ask every founder we get in here. Uh, yeah. The first one is um, if you were to verbalize your startup mindset in your own words, uh, what would that be? Uh, build something you use every single day and love to use. Like, Amazing. I think everyone should use their, like I use my product 10 times a day, like all day, literally I'm on the product. And I think that it's amazing how many companies do not use their product. <laughs> like do most startups see us. Do you use it for your like product feedback? Like your day? Oh, yeah. That, oh. Yeah. Oh, if you use Narrator, you're going to get emails automatically triggered that will be like, oh, this email was because you did this really interesting thing where you like open our doc and you read this page and then you submit a ticket and you didn't call us. Wow. And it'll be like, and then we attach a link and be like, want to see how we built this within Narrator? And you click yeah. on it and it opens our doc site and it's like, here's how we built this insane thing that bridged eight systems, wow. not by engineers, but by our data team using Narrator. And our board deck for our investors is a Narrator. Our like <laughs> our analysis are in narrator. Like oh, everything we do is in narrator. Um and it's kind of like ridiculous. It's like it's like we really just we're like really dog food. And yeah, we just like I answer tickets for customers all the time. Like if anyone has like any open-ended questions with a narrator, our demos ask me anything. So like it's I just use narrator for that. Like it's pretty cool. Wow. 
that's pretty yeah, cool. That's crazy, man. Hard to fathom, but pretty cool. One uh, next question here is, uh, what is um, if you were to give advice to your 20-year-old self, uh, Ahmed at Cornell or wherever you were at that time, what would you tell yourself? Um, I like to say the concept of, uh, like, pursue excellence and success will follow. It's from a, a quote from a different uh, movie I like. Um, and the idea there is just, like, don't worry about, like, building something, like, that people, like, don't worry about, like, don't worry about the hype. Worry about building yeah. something incredible. Like, focus on learning and building something incredible and spend more time doing that. Like, get really good at something. Because I think most interesting problems, like, you learn when you really understand what... You have to, like, implement the wrong answer so many times that you understand why the wrong answer is wrong. Like, and I yeah. think that's a really tough situation. So I push for that. Man, these things got me messed up. Uh, what was I going to ask you next? Uh, favorite favorite book or, you know, type of resource that helps you as a founder? Yeah, I really am a big fan of Never Split the Difference. It's like... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah, a yeah. great book. Yeah. Uh, Play Bigger is also an incredible book. And Design of Everyday Things is another oh, one of my favorite books. Yeah, that one on the shelf. Um, so yeah, take that. Yeah, those are very <laughs> common books. But I, th I think you have to practice them. I think the challenge of these books is that they're really yeah. interesting when you like read them and you're like, that's an interesting concept. But like when I did Red Never Split the Difference, I would practice it every chapter with my girlfriend at that time. Okay. We're like, okay, like we're, and like we would start labeling each other. And I'm like, this feels weird that like you're complaining to me about like work and I'm labeling you, but like it <laughs> works. And when you get really good at it, it stops feeling like unnatural and it feels really positive. So I really recommend people really just try it for real. Wow, yeah, that's amazing advice. I think those are all the questions we had for you today, Ahmed. Last part here is how can people who have trouble with their data or if they're in the company that they're stuck in the cycle of things and need a tool like this, how do they get, get to you and the company? Yeah, so uh, you can just go on our website, narrator.ai. Uh, if you want to learn more about our thoughts, you can check out our blog. We write a lot of stuff. And if you just want to talk to me, just email me. I'm just Ahmed at narrator.ai. There's no secret. Um, and yeah, I'll find time and we'll chat about it. And we're here to make sure that everyone has a chance to really learn about Narrator and experience it and see it. And if either of you guys want to actually send me that email and see a demo of the product, it'll show you to you too. It's like a very, very interesting thing to watch people. Well, that does it for another amazing guest, Ahmed. It's been a pleasure, man. We love the stories. We love the uh, enthusiasm and, and are definitely amazed by what you built. So best of luck to you. Thank yeah, you, guys. I'm excited for more startup people to come in. And that does it for another episode of Startup Mindset's podcast. If you guys got the time, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Follow us at Startup Mindset's pod on Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you. So shoot us a message. Think, uh, tell us what you thought of the, the episode or tell us about yourselves and like how uh, your startup journey is going. <laughs> um, and that does it. I'll see you guys next week. Peace.